Well, howdy, Huda Thunkers. This is your host, as always, Zeb, of the Huda Thunkin' Podcast. This is Season 2, Episode 30, which I have titled The Confederados. Before we get into The Confederados, let's get into the recommendation segment. I will be doing this week's recommendation segment. I just wanted to do this one. Just yesterday, I finished watching James Gunn's Suicide Squad of 2021. It's a movie. I expected to not enjoy this movie in the slightest. I thought it was going to be a crap movie. But the sui- you know, the Suicide Squad movie of 2016, it was, you know, okay. I just remember leaving the theater feeling disappointed. It was disappointing. Great cast, you know, it looked good, but the movie wasn't great. This 2021 Suicide Squad movie was one heck of a ride. It was gruesome, funny, exciting, and overall a fun experience. There were some flaws to it, um, but it was really good. It was a fun time. And that I had from the, and I had it from the comfort of my home. I didn't have to go to the movie theaters. This movie is not this movie is in theaters, uh, but if you have HBO Max, you can just stream it at home. Um, and as a disclaimer, while this podcast is meant to be for all ages and supposed to be clean, the movie is not. It's very R-rated, so viewer discretion advised. But I highly recommend you watch James Gunn's Suicide Squad 2021. It made you remember what fun movies can be, um, so check it out. Now, for the main event, this week's episode is about a post-Civil War culture created in Brazil, of all places. Now, most people have heard of the not that Nazis fled Europe after World War II and went to South America. I know it sounds crazy, but that's it's true. Um, there's a couple movies about it, so check it out. As many as 9,000 Nazis are thought to have fled to South America in the final days of the Third Reich and the years that followed. So Nazis living in South America, uh-huh, that happened. I might just have to do an episode on that in the future. But not many people know that the Nazis were not the first military defeated culture to flee to South America. The Confederates of the American Civil War did it long before the world would even know what a Nazi was. So let us talk about the American Civil War, more specifically what it meant to America's culture. First off, the Union North won. In 1865, General Ulysses S. Grant led the Union armies to victory over the Confederate South. What was it fought over? Uh, (laughs) Well, that tends to be debated on a social level in the states, and the answer varies heavily depending on who you ask. It seems for generations the South was handing out entirely different textbooks to their youth than the Union states were. Thanks to a group called the United Daughters of the Confederacy, that's sarcastically thanking them, American Southerners to this day don't believe the Civil War was fought over slavery. Um, was, it more com- they, was it more complicated than that? I'm sure it was. Um, but the UDC, the United Daughters of the Confederacy, basically taught that the South was the victim in the whole thing, which is, it's more complicated than that too. Um, were... Wars are always more complicated than just one sentence. You know, civil war was over slavery. It's all it's always more complicated than just one sentence. But ultimately, I don't know. I wasn't there. But here's what I was taught. The common explanation for the bloodiest conflict in the history of North America was fought over the moral issue of slavery. In fact, it was the economics of slavery and political control of that system that was central to the conflict. A key issue was states' rights. Now, I took that explanation from PBS's History Detectives. You know, that's PBS, pretty trusty source for information and education. The But they also said this, the southern states wanted to assert their authority over the federal government so they could abolish federal laws they didn't support. 
specifically or especially laws interfering with the South's right to keep slaves and take them wherever they wished. Another factor was territorial expansion. The South wished to take slavery into the Western territories while the North was committed to keeping them open to white labor alone. Meanwhile, the newly formed Republican Party, whose members were strongly opposed to the westward expansion of slavery into new states, was gaining prominence. The election of Republican Abraham Lincoln as president in 1860 sealed the deal. His victory without a single Southern electoral vote was a clear signal to the Southern states that they had lost all influence. Feeling excluded from the political system, they turned to the only alternative they believe was left to them, secession, a political decision that led directly to war. So according to PBS, it was fought over power, a political a politically and economically complicated struggle for power with slavery as sort of like a focal point and the fact that the South is being excluded by the North. This episode isn't about the moral, political, and historical facts surrounding the Civil War. It is about a little fun fact town in Brazil. However, seeing how racism is unfortunately and frankly embarrassingly still a major issue in my country, I thought it was important to give the facts about the American Civil War. Yes, it is more complicated than a war over slavery. But the United Daughters of Confederacy manipulated the American education system to paint the Confederates as a simple victims. And it is certainly was not that simple either. Especially since virtually all of the United Daughters of the Confederacy founders had direct ties to the KKK. So, you know, they might have had not the best influence, not the best people to influence our education system. Whew. Okay, so I made it through the political part and that little disclaimer. <laughs> Are you still with me? Good, okay. This is not going to be that serious of a, of a post. I find it interesting, and um, I'm not just going to be talking about race politics this whole time. <laughs> to better understand the culture in America during and after the Civil War, it is important to understand just how bloody and destructive this war was. In eight, the 1860s consent, or census counted about 31,500,000 people. The war caused approximately 750,000 deaths. That is about 2.5% of the population of the country dead over the span of four years. Okay? 2.5% of the population dead over four years. Just to help wrap your head around that, losing 2.5% of the American population today would be the equivalent of having 9-11 happen twice a day, every day, for four years. Just imagine what that did psychologically to the soldiers on the front lines, the communities they left behind, and the families they left behind. 200,000 women were widowed, and there were even more orphans left after the war. Trainloads of orphans. There's photograph evidence of this. And the ratio of Confederate deaths to Union deaths was 3 to 1, so the South got it much worse. After the war, much of the South was in ruins. Lincoln declared the states of the Confederacy as territories, not states yet, uh, before each state would eventually be accepted back into the federal government. And he wanted the unionization of the states to happen as quickly as possible. So he only required a 10% vote from each state to come back into the, the country, to become a state again. And this left a lot of Southerners feeling unrepresented. They were conquered by an, an, enemy, terror, an enemy army and then told, you can come back, but you know, only some, hardly any of you need to agree to that. Much of the South was also ravaged by the war. Plantations, farms, and even entire towns were destroyed. Their economic system was built on slavery. Now they couldn't do it. What were they going to do? It was going to take a lot of work, and not everyone was up to the task. 
rather than rebuild in a unified America that had abolished slavery, many Southerners preferred to move to entirely different countries. And this move was considered by the Confederate leaders even before the Civil War ended. The Confederates sent scouting envoys to many countries south of their own to find a land they could govern the way they wanted. You could argue the South knew they were going to lose. Their military technology was two decades behind the Union, and only 56% of the male Southern population was literate, could read and write. The Union male literacy was 97%. So the South was at a major disadvantage from the start. Even before the war, the Confederates sent men like William Walker to parts of Mexico, California, and Nicaragua. Their walker incited revolution so he could overthrow these areas and proclaim himself president or conqueror, really. The idea was for men like Walker to conquer land south of the Confederacy and then let his old Confederate pals join him in their new lands. It worked for a while, almost a year, until Honduran and British forces captured Walker and executed him by firing squad. Confederate strategists even planned to invade Mexico and all of the Caribbean. If they won the Civil War or even negotiated like a ceasefire with the Union North, they planned to re-enslave the black Caribbean population, the people there, and create their own Confederate haven. So had they succeeded in doing that, they would have had control of the Gulf of Mexico and the Caribbean Sea, effectively making them one of the most resource-rich nations in the planet. So kind of glad they didn't. That would be... History would be very different <laughs> if they won the Civil War. There's a, now there's a paramilitary group, Knights of the Golden Circle, held on to hopes of conquering land in the Americas, or, you know, the South Americas, for the Confederacy after the Civil War ended. A notable member of this group, John Wilkes Booth, you know, Lincoln's would-be assassin. This group funded the transportation of Confederate leaders and war criminals alike to lands throughout Latin America. But this group had little backing. Leaders... Leader of the Confederate Army's General Robert E. Lee and the President of the Confederate States during the Civil War, Jefferson Davis, encouraged the Knights of the Golden Circle to give up any and all notions of conquest. They wanted their fellow Confederates to try and rebuild the American South instead of just, you know, turning tail and running. Now, despite their leader's encouragement to stay, some Confederates decided to get out of Dodge. They lost the war, but they still saw themselves as Confederates and not United States citizens. First, they went to Mexico. There, they were welcomed by Austrian-Mexican Emperor Maximilian. And Emperor Maximilian um, even gave these Confederates citizenship and land to live on. But that didn't last long. The Civil War ended in 1865. Maximilian was only emperor of the Second Mexican Empire from April 10th of 1864 until his execution on June 19th of 1867, at which point the Confederate citizenships were revoked and their land was taken back. Benito Juarez's liberated Mexican forces kicked the Confederates out of Mexico um, because they're not the ones that gave them the land. That was Maximilian. That's when the Confederates set their sights even far further south. Upwards of 20,000 Confederates, or Confederados, as they were now dubbed, began to arrive in the port of Rio de Janeiro as early as November of 1865. The emperor, Don Pedro II, nicknamed the Magnanimous, was the second and last monarch of the empire of Brazil, reigning for over 58 years. He was there to welcome the Confederates with open arms. Now, <laughs> while looking up Don Pedro, looking into him, uh, which I think is a really cool name to go by, I noticed his full name was listed as, and get ready for, get ready for this, Pedro de Alacantara Huayo Carlos Leopoldo Salvador Bibiana Francisco Xavier de Paulo, Leo Chado, 
Miguel Gabriel Rafael Gonzaga de Braganza e Bourbon. That's his full name. <laughs> I tried my best pronouncing that uh, full name, but uh, we all know I probably butchered it. But I just thought it was interesting. The guy had like 12 names. <laughs> Don Pedro, though, he, he wanted to modernize his country, which was very behind the times for the 1860s. He wanted more Europeans to immigrate to the to Brazil to boost the economy. When he heard of the Confederates' plight, he saw it as an opportunity to get his whole modernization project going. He especially wanted to start processing cotton as it was a boom crop at the time, and these Confederates were adept at running cotton manufacturing businesses. Whereas other Southern American countries had outlawed slavery at the end of the American Civil War, Brazil still permitted slavery. And the Confederates coming to Brazil seemed like it was just meant to be, you know, match made in heaven. Or hell, depending on how you look at it. Don Pedro had supported the Confederacy and now enticed Southerners to relocate to his country with cheap land and the promise of subsidizing their travel. So he'd pay for their travel. It'd be great. Or supporting it, at least. The Confederados settled around major cities, but it didn't take long for them to start creating their own communities. They built five or six settlements across Brazil, but things didn't pan out quite as everyone hoped. You see, moving to a completely different hemisphere comes with challenges. Who'd have thunk it? Most of the Confederados found Brazil's climate too hot. It's Brazil. <laughs> found it too hot and the soil too inhospitable for cultivating the crops that they were accustomed to growing back home which was now 4,000 miles away. Oh my gosh, the crops we built, we were making 4,000 miles away, don't seem to grow the same down here. What a surprise. And others failed just to assimilate into the Brazilian culture. Not a great, not a big shocker there either. Then it seemed the final nail was being placed in the coffin of the Brazilian Confederacy when in 1888, Brazil outlawed slavery and many Confederados returned to the United States. So... Didn't work out at first. However, a few hundred confederados remained, and their descendants still live in Brazil and celebrate their confederate heritage today. One confederado settlement, Americana, grew into a large city and still has that name. They just called it Americana. Every year in April, the city of Americana, Brazil, with today's population being about 240,000, hold a large festival called Fiesta Confederada. At this festival, people of all races and ethnicities dance, drink beer, eat southern fried chicken with Confederate flags displayed everywhere, from the pavement to the dresses the women wear. Now, here in the States, that would be quite shocking, but down there, it's a little different. The attendees are made up of the descendants of the original Confederado immigrants, now probably numbering in the tens of thousands, and native Brazilians, and people from all over the world. The Confederados of today don't just see themselves as Brazilian Americans, but Confederates, too, because... You know, for a time, that was their own country. While supremacists and racist icons, or yeah, white supremacists uh, and racist icons such as the swastika and KKK imagery is strictly forbidden. So they don't allow that in the festival. That's not okay. Modern confederados are fully aware that the Confederacy fought for, among other things, the preservation of slavery. But they don't see the Confederate flag as a symbol for racism or slavery. They see it as a symbol of their heritage. The country their forefathers fought to create, but ultimately failed to do so. Not to mention, they are all pretty much mixed race themselves after 150 years of intermarriage with the local Brazilian people. In America, the Confederate flag has been used in many different ways, including the terrorizing of minorities. But the Brazilian government supports Americana and their Fiesta Confederada, as the Confederados of Brazil have only ever used the flag for celebration. 
Today, you can go down to Americana, Brazil, and see a woman with a dark complexion speak with a Southern accent, uh, Southern American accent, as she cooks some of the best Southern fried chicken ever made, all while she uh, has the Confederate flag waving in the wind right next to the Brazilian national flag. So history is wild that that exists, that that pocket, <laughs> pocket of the world exists with such a weird historical background. But it's true. I've got pictures all over the blog if you want to see it, and I've researched tons and tons for this episode. Similar to, now I'm going to draw some connections here, but make up your mind about your opinion on these, them, but I thought it was interesting. Similar to how the swastika in Europe symbolizes something completely different as it does in India, it seems it seems the Confederate flag that symbolizes hate in America can symbolize a heritage that now can accept equality down in Brazil. These people truly accept all sorts of people down there. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I started out pretty hard, heavy-hearted, but I tried to have it I tried to have it end on a nice note. You know, a weird note that may be hard to swallow for some of you, but a nice note nonetheless. I mean, <laughs> How can how can you call a Brazilian festival that welcomes people of all colors and creeds to dance in cowboy boots atop a giant Confederate flag while pounding brewskis and eating fried chicken a bad note? You can't. <laughs> it's a big party every year where everyone's welcome and everyone's happy, it seems. And it's in Brazil, South America. So, anyway. What a weird part of history. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, hope you... Tune in next week, Huda Thunkers, and check out the blog. Like I said, tons of imagery. I've got a picture of Jimmy Carter when he went down to visit in the 70s, and he was just found people sp speaking Southern act with American Southern accents in Brazil and was like, huh. <laughs> There's pictures of him with this and Confederate flags everywhere. So check it out. Tune in next week, and thanks for listening. See you later.